On the other side of that, it's the worst Irish defensive performance I've seen in a long, long time. Aaron Smith, he's truly, truly wonderful player. He's one of the best players who's ever played the game. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. GAA Late Night, live every Sunday evening, 8.30 on Twitter Spaces. Follow at Off The Ball. In partnership with Guinness Zero Zero. 100% Guinness, 0% alcohol. More social occasions off the GAA pitch are yours for the taking. Good afternoon, folks. How are you all doing? You're very welcome along to the latest episode of GA Late Night. Sarah Donovan, I believe you're with I you. am indeed. Yep. Thanks. Thanks for joining. We've got Barry Cullinan as well this week. Barry is back from Galway. Good evening. Good evening, Tommy. Could uh, be a bit hoarse after the game yesterday and celebrations last night, so forgive me. Fair play. Thanks a million for joining us today. And we'll, uh, we'll actually be checking in with Mickey Quinn from Longford in a little while as well. Mickey's going to join us. He was in Crow Park yesterday as well. You were there, Barry, yesterday, were you? I was, yeah. I was um, lucky enough to be co-commentating with a with, uh, local radio station here. So um, had good seats, uh, great atmosphere beforehand, terrible first 35 minutes, and uh, I suppose a, a much better and much improved Galway performance in the second 35 minutes. I don't think... For Derry, I don't think it got an awful lot better than, than what it was in the first half. And I'm sure they'll be disappointed that their championship finished um, with that performance. But as as Galway supporters, you know, we're, we were delighted that they, I suppose, as the, the old cliche goes, they, they found a way and that's a sign of a good team. So, um, yeah, we were delighted to leave in Cork Park yesterday. We will be coming back to Galway very shortly. Sarah O'Donovan, you were watching the game in the heart of West Cork, I believe, today, were you? Yes, and actually, I was delighted for Kerry. You can't beat quality, lads. I thought they eked it out and deserved the victory in the end. Sean O'Shea got the first score and he got the last score of the game. And I just thought from minute one, he was intent on getting over this hoodoo that has been this Dublin team for, what, 13 matches, 13 uh, tries? Yeah, uh, well, it's it's since two thousand and nine. I think it's it's a it's I think it's six championship games in two thousand and nine. It's 11, 2013, 2016 and two games in twenty nineteen. And it really, it felt like it would have haunted Kerry if Dublin had come back today. Can I ask you both a question? Was that game a classic watching on TV? Because it absolutely felt like it was every minute of it in the in the stadium. The atmosphere was sensational in Crow Park today. Um, yeah, for me, it was. I, I think. In terms of quality, was it a classic? Maybe not, but I think in terms of a spectacle, um, both sets of fans brought huge colour, huge noise. As you said, the atmosphere was electric and the both sets of players brought an intensity to it. And um, as Sarah said, like Sean O'Shea, you could see from the get-go that, that he had a he had a mission and I think he was exceptional. I think he, he showed his true leadership qualities. But you would also have to give huge credit to Dublin. They brought... You know, it would have been relatively easy five down when six down. It would have been relatively easy with a, I suppose, a younger, more inexperienced team, and maybe some of the older fellas coming to the coming to the end of their careers, not not to fight back or not to give it everything that they did. So I think overall, with what what both sets of players gave it, it was a it was a brilliant spectacle in terms of quality. I, I'm not sure that it will go down go down as one of the classics, but to finish the way it finished in terms of. Sean O'Shea's piece of brilliance, um, you know, that will will definitely live in the memory for for a long time to come. Yeah, Barry, I'd say actually, I think it was a classic from the point of view of the scores that Clifford got. Like 
you can't argue that some of those scores were exceptional. So I wonder, are we putting too much into football? Football is hard to watch if it's low scoring. And, and I think today, both sides gave a thriller. I don't know. Yeah. I hear from people yeah. at home that this is what GA Littman is about. We want you to call in, let us know what you think. So there's plenty of Galway people listening at the minute. So I'm waiting to hear from you. I want to hear what you think out of the All-Ireland final. Sarah, I definitely felt being in the stadium that it was absolutely controlling. Like the physicality on show, the battling, all the off the ball stuff that was happening. It was just, it was sensational. And you, you had this nagging feeling the whole time that Kerry, they were the better team, but they just weren't going to put Dublin away. And when Dub- Dublin got the leveler in the 68 minutes, I, I said it out loud. I said the Dubs have them. I just didn't think that Kerry were going to get a score. I thought Dublin were going to beat them and we're going to see the same Dublin that we've seen for the last. I, I suppose it's Karma Costello's goal kind of summed it up, wasn't it? It was a, an error from David Moore and, and all of a sudden they're breaking forward and he finds a pocket. Like it was a stunning goal. It could end up as goal of the season. You know, I, I don't think I've seen a goal better this season than it. Uh, maybe at the Groom goal for Armagh, obviously, but certainly... Uh, that Cormac Costello goal changed the game for Dublin and you're right I, I thought they were going to I thought they were going to steal it We have Mickey Quinn with us as well Mickey you're very welcome thanks for joining us on GA Late Night this week how are you? Good thanks good after a, a busy weekend of it now so yeah it's, uh, it's in, a nice way to finish Yeah I was at both games yesterday now so um, yeah Tatching Cup and Derry Derry and Galway so um, a mixed bag really Okay, and what did you make it today? You were you were watching on TV, I presume today. Yeah, watching it. Um, like I couldn't get over how Dublin still. You look at that team and you kind of think, geez, they don't. I wouldn't have thought that they had the ability to get back into that game, and just with the whole penalty incident, how they managed that, um, or the cynical play, or dark arts, or game management, whatever you want to call it, and the yeah. way they were able to orchestrated but there's no point in saying that it's just Dublin that do it other counties do it and you look at all the, the stuff that's going on with penalty shootouts and penalty taking in soccer it's it's just massive how it transfers from one sport to another that's been probably fairly it's been fairly prevalent in, in soccer the last probably six months with penalty shootouts and penalty taking um, and trying to disrupt the penalty taker and it's it's been shown to work and if if it's let on go on unnoticed um, it, it benefits the the team that are, are trying to kind of disrupt the taker yeah it's uh, I think we're going to get talking about the, the penalty incident and the comfort line down the way that Dublin managed that black card because it, it could have been crucial Um the All Blacks come to mind when I see it. Most great teams have an ability to do that, and Dublin are certainly very good at managing games like that. I'm just going to bring in uh, Thomas Dunn here. We've got two requests at the minute. Jonathan Hickers are going to come to you in a moment. Thomas Dunn, would you like to have a chat with the panel here and let us know what you want to say on GA late night? Yeah, how we doing? Uh, I'd like to say that the new structure, the new season is ruined it. Like we should have, um, the Armagh Galway game should have been a replay. Today probably should have been a replay. Last week against uh, Limerick and Galway should have been a replay. Um, like this thing talking about penalties and the whole lot like what the GA was built upon it's like real foreign I think we should go back to our normal thing but today wouldn't have been a replay because Kerry won by a point yeah but in the normal type of thing like that, like they're they're letting it continue on you know um, because they know that um, probably they would have blown it up before you know like congratulations to Kerry okay. but you know that's all I'm saying okay thanks Thomas um 
Sarah, I, I, I don't know if you talked about this last week or two weeks ago with the, the Armagh Go game. I wasn't on GLA that, that, that night, but for me... Yeah, we did. It, we it, did, yeah. actually. And yeah, and, and, and our feeling was that the Armagh Galway game should have been a replay. You know, that it shouldn't have been, I suppose, finished on penalties. Um, but we're looking to do two things. We're looking to accommodate the club player and the inter-county player. So something's got to give here, you know. Mickey, penalty shootouts, yeah or nay? I'm all for kind of changing, and I think who who's a replay for? Is it for the traditionals, or that's the way it was, and we're going to stick that way and don't change? Or I, d- I don't know. I just think we're damned if we do and damned if we don't. Any bit of change, and it's like the season's ruining it, and the replays are ruining it. Like if the football standard was good enough and games were good enough, and we're getting enough good games, then we wouldn't be looking for a replay because it was such a good game. Um, yeah. And we wouldn't be looking for, oh, don't don't play extra time, go straight to a replay and then fans will get another day out or we get another, it's not fair. Like, sport isn't fair and that's that's the crux. <laughs> sport is sport. Like, there's always going to be a winner and a loser. Um, and whether that happens in normal time with a replay extra time penalty shootout someone is going to be a loser and it's a sad story for someone and you know like that's what gets me like who is a replay for is it for players is it for fans is it for GA is it for money you know and that's where I think people I I find people get lost in in the whole that side of things Jonathan Higgins come on in what's the feeling in Galway today after watching Kerry and Dublin go out yeah, well, just on the way back from Croker here after watching Kerry fall over the line, I, I thought, mo- like most people, I think that was headed for, for extra time. But uh, the Kerry just did did enough. Um, it's kind of bonus territory almost for, for Galway when you see where they started off at the start of the year. Like, first conversation was would Galway beat Mayo in the championship and uh, uh, things have just snowballed into into effect. Uh, I thought they were sharp and shrewd yesterday, but probably very, very ugly on the eye, particularly in the, in the opening half, I think. That was a you could nearly pay it in that opening half and put out of a, a cure for in zombie or something like that. It was really dour stuff. Now the opening half and uh, go. We were probably lucky to be at what to come in level. I you know we had the Hawkeye and maybe Derry's greed and just trying to go for a couple of early goals that weren't necessarily there. But I thought go. We were very shrewd, very set up, very defensively. But I thought they they won the tactical battle hands down, and then just had a bit of firepower in the second half to come over the line but yeah no it's it's huge excitement um, huge Galway crowd there yesterday which uh, I think as we said before hasn't always been the case for footballers in recent years and it's uh, it's coming into uh, like 2000 and uh, 2000 all over again the uh, Galway Kerry battle and uh, I think you, you've shared that goal a couple of times now the uh, Declan Meekin goal in the, in the replay uh, what what stars were on the on that team there that that day out and you look at Porrick Joyce now coming from from one end of the spectrum to the other so yeah no exciting times and uh, what a final to look forward to Barry like what are the excitement levels like because in all Ireland final Kerry haven't won in all Ireland since 2014 we saw the the cracks that were there again today they struggled at times against Dublin big time they nearly let that game go surely Galway feel like they're in a good place coming into this. Yeah, and there's a huge respect between Galway GA, Galway football, and Kerry football, and I think vice versa. And I think even looking at the way Kerry play and they set up today, very much you know individual battles. Each to each Kerry defender looking after their own man, and Galway will relish that challenge. Excitement levels are very high. 
Um, I think the fact that it's uh, the Sunday before the start of the races adds to the excitement levels. We were all uh, planning. We, we were all planning our race week, the homecoming, all of all, all of the above on the Monday evening at this stage, and and the arrangements for that. So yeah, it, it's huge. And I think, as I said, the fact that it is Kerry, I think, will add to the excitement levels in Galway because you know we we haven't a good record against Kerry in All Ireland finals, going back historically, even that 2000 final, though we were missing Jaff Allen for that on that year didn't end well for Galway so look Porrick will will he'll be relishing the challenge of, of pitting himself against Jack O'Connor and it'll be two really good footballing teams yeah Galway Galway have good defensive structures Kerry have good defensive structures but both teams when they're let play and when they're on the ball they can really express themselves and we're going to see some of the top footballers in the country in an All-Ireland Finals so I think for everybody all all football fans this could be one one game that everybody will, be, will really really enjoy James Keating come on in I believe you're coming in from Galway yeah right? coming in from Galway how are you Tommy um, good, just the feeling yesterday coming back from Crow Park uh, were Derry kind of more preoccupied to nullify Galway rather than kind of win the game so early on, Derry get a bit of momentum. They get a few scores, and I turned to my friend. I said, 15 points will win this game." But like, with Benny Hearn being so quiet, I thought Connor Glass was too preoccupied with McDade. It just they were never going to hit that ceiling, you know. And I, the first half, it was like chalk and cheese with the second half. Galway turned it on, and they never really looked like losing it when they got the goal. Mickey Quinn, do you want to come in on that? No, yeah, it was um, just how it, how the game turned. Um, like when you look at the amount of turnovers that was in the Kerry game today, Kerry and Dublin, compared to the turnovers in Galway and and Derry, that there was there were few and far between. But those turnovers, when they came, they were critical turnovers because just the way the game went, that no no team were taking risks. But then both teams wanted to feed off a mistake or a turnover and. And they came at times when they, they ended up being worth more than just one score. Uh, and even Comer's goal uh, just was icing on the cake. Um, I think probably Derry Keeper coming up, it, it kind of didn't work for him when he got inside 45. And it was probably something looking back on that to be frustrated with that it, it, it didn't pan out the way they wanted to. Um, whereas if you look at the first 15 minutes of the game, the way they were able to manipulate how goal were set up and Brendan Rogers kicking two scores coming down the right hand side and they never got those openings um, and I think it was probably the, they went a little bit too safe um, coming on the loop and not maybe taking on their man at pace which got them those scores early on and probably in previous games but credit to Galway it was their strength in their tackling um, and probably credit to the referee a good bit too that there's a lot of those tackles that we've seen them given as fouls or maybe foul freeze the other way that he let it play a little bit. And there probably was a patch um, in the second half that I felt that he was probably a little bit more generous towards Galway um, towards the start of the second half. Um, but all in all, I think Galway were full credit for the win. James, anything else before we let you go? How are you feeling about Kerry? Um, well, for ticket availability, we were hoping for Kerry, I suppose. But... Um... <laughs> You know, that might that might go without saying. Um look, it's a shot to nothing. They won't be worried about Galway. There's kinda of not been much build up I feel with the championship. They're coming into the radar. Look, shot to nothing, we'll see how we go. Shot to nothing, okay. Fair play, James. Thanks for calling in. Cheers. Sarah, um, 
the moment yesterday at halftime when uh, the referee made the announcement that we're awarding the point, and rightfully so. Thankfully, they corrected the error that Hawkeye had. Can you imagine what the roars from the Galway fans did for Galway? Because they were a different team in that second half. They played with a renewed confidence immediately from the get-go. I wonder, though, that was a bonus, I think, at that point. I, I, looking at the setup yesterday from Galway, I think it took them kind of, say, that, that first half to, to just kind of get a sense of, of what Derry were about. And then in the second half, they went, no, look, we, we can't go out on this note. Like, you know, four apiece is dour. And football is dour, as I said, if, it, if, if you're not getting scores. And I, and I think Galway went, no, nah, we're going to have to do better than this. Was the game that bad yesterday? To my mind, I like I, I said if uh, I saw Derry play in Castlebar against Mayo in 2017, and and they were attacking, high scoring, went at Mayo, and they tried to contain Galway yesterday rather than went to chase their own game. And I suppose that's what it was. That's why it was disappointing for me. So yeah, okay. yeah, I, I didn't enjoy it the way I enjoyed the game today. Barry, how did you find it yesterday? Do you think it was that bad? Do you think it was like? I'll be honest, I, I found it uh, quite enthralling, that first half. I didn't expect any different from Derry. Um, and it, the game kind of panned out the way that I would have expected it would have gone, you know? Yeah, and I, I agree 100% with Sarah. I think Galway, I think, I think both sets of management and teams uh, would have had a certain, um, a certain plan going out in the first half that contributed to it being as, as I suppose... Uh, Un, unentertaining as as maybe we, we thought an All Ireland semi final uh, should be. I think Derry's plan initially they probably would have seen Galway coming off the back of the Armagh win, you know, a bit of momentum from Galway supporters, excitement, the euphoria of that. Uh, I would say Rory Gallagher in his head had said, "Look, let's we need to quieten that initially. We don't want this game turning into what Galway had against Armagh because maybe they felt Galway had 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 a had better individual footballers than them. And I think for Galway, Porrick and his management team would have felt that we we need to, obviously need to take our chances if they come in the first half. But I think they approached the game differently at halftime. And not just because they said in the dressing room, we can't go out of an All-Ireland semi-final losing a game like this. The stuff happened in the second half that they couldn't just have, you know, magicked up in the dressing room at half time. So, for instance, the squeeze on the Derry kickout. Like, I haven't seen Galway do that before where they put four players across the D and it caused, you know, across the arc of the D moving over and back and it caused um, the Derry keeper a huge amount of problems and Galway, Galway won kick out after kick out where he had to go long. So that was certainly one aspect that Galway changed at half time, and I think that was pre-planned and I think they would have worked on that over the last couple of weeks. And they also kept a presence up top. Um, so in the first half, Damien Comer was following uh, Brendan Rogers. Shane Walsh was following his marker, who was, who was extremely good on the day, where Galway kept a presence up top. So that they said, look, let's see, can we defend with a little bit more space? So I think, I think overall, the game was tactically very, very interesting. Looking at it, you know, if you, you're paying your money for your ticket, was it the most entertaining entertaining 35 minutes of your life? Probably not. But I think looking back on it now, it, it certainly was intriguing and it was certainly the second half 
I, I felt the second half was a good game of football in a lot of ways, but I can certainly see how people maybe felt the first half wasn't um, wasn't just what an All Ireland semi final we would have expected. I think. Mickey Quinn, you were working at the double header yesterday. Which game did you enjoy more, the Talchin Cup final or the All Ireland semi final? Oh, a hundred percent Talchin Cup. Um, Talchin Cup was the, was the winner yesterday for entertainment and. Um, you know, like it, it had more to it. You had your your red card, your goals, and it just it was just a bit of a topsy turvy that you didn't really know what way it was heading. Um, and I think there's uncertainty and unpredictability in that game compared to um, the second game, where, where both teams kind of. I I just felt that there comes a time in a game when when you have to go for it and come out with your shell and. And go a different approach, and it just never really came for for Derry that they, they didn't seem like they, they had a different change up or change of style. Um, but it's very hard to, in saying that to to change that. Like like lump in high ball isn't what you want to do when when you've two sweepers back sitting there. Like that's not what you how you play that game. Like like they seem to sit in Kieran Malloy and then a rotation on as another sweeper just either side of the D area. Um, and you know you had your referee floating in round there too so that option of playing a, a little pump pass or hand pass into that area wasn't on so the only way that um, Derry could break it down was a running game and try and break that almost like rugby but um, they, they just didn't have the physical strength to get through Mickey I thought it was impressive the manner in which Galway reacted to Derry's five man foot forward line because there was a couple of times in the first few minutes where Playing that five man for forward line, there was about 30, 40 yards of space between the half forward line and, and behind, and Derry kind of punched a couple of holes there. But very quickly, McHugh and Malloy were sitting covering. I think Daly was doing a bit of it as well. And they were kind of moving with the play and covering that space, no matter, nearly leaving the, the five foot forwards in. Do you, what do you make of that tactic, the playing five foot forwards inside? It worked very well against Clare. I think Rory Gallagher touched on it in the sense that, um, like, he's. I think he made some comment that, oh, how's this five-man full forward line working? And he made some comment that uh, I can't be giving away all my secrets or something along those lines. But, like, the thing is, there's no point in going in and standing there and saying, oh, I'm doing my job. Like, there's more to it than that. Like, the whole idea in the five men going inside is to occupy those sweepers and create a vacuum in front that players can run into and play a running game. Um, And then some, one of those defenders marking the five forwards will gamble or step out. And then Derry have the, the probably patience or the calmness to play that pass when some might maybe take a wild shot or come in the loop that they weren't actually coming on the loop uh, for for those kind of plays. But what I think Galway done really well was they, they marked those men inside and said, right, I'm going with them and they tracked their runners. Like it's no more than carrying Dublin today. The, no matter what system that you're playing, you have to be able to defend one-on-one, whether you're number 15 or number two, you have to be able to mark your man for a period of time, whether that be 20 seconds, whether it be three minutes like it was today, you got to lock down and stay with him wherever he goes and don't let him get goal side. Everything else comes after that. And I think that's where maybe Derry were, were taking out teams that 
there's guys making the wrong decisions there's guys not tracking runners and when that happens it creates an overlap and when you have an overlap you can create those goal chances you're all listening in to BA Late Night it's brought to you with thanks to Guinness Zero Zero more social occasions off the pitch are yours for the taking um, if anyone wants to call in you're more than welcome to I've got Sarah O'Donovan uh, Mickey Quinn and Barry Cullinan with me for the next 20 minutes or so so we're going to chat a bit about the Kerry Dublin game go with Derry Westmead Cavan the Camogie quarterfinals are next weekend Sarah um, how is all that setting up? Uh, very interesting actually Waterford and Limerick looks like the game of the weekend so Tipperary would have uh, been the I suppose the top four alongside Kilkenny Galway and Cork the last number of years and they got ousted from the championship last week so we will have a new I suppose semi-finalist in either Limerick or Waterford and on the other side you've Dublin and Kilkenny now Kilkenny could see Dublin as a as a banana skin, but to my mind, I think this Dublin team is just a year too soon. Um, they took a, a hiding from Kilkenny in the Leinster Championship, and that was only six, seven weeks ago. So, you know, I'd be surprised if Dublin get a result this year, but certainly they're going in the right direction. You, I was wondering watching the Dublin team today, did your Cork team, that great Cork team, have any of the hallmarks of the way Dublin clawed their way back into that game? Like they just drew Kerry back in. And the, the manner in which they managed the game, the gamesmanship, the cynicism in ways. That I know you had a, a gathering on Friday night with a lot of your old teammates. <laughs> yeah, so the, it was the non-hen-hen in Washington Street on Friday night with uh, former teammates, including uh, All-Ireland ca- winning captains Anna Geary and Joanne O'Callaghan. Uh, Joanne was captain in 2005 and Anna was captain in 2014. So that spanned nearly a decade. Um, yeah, and we had Annie Walsh as well, uh, Cork senior footballer I think she's eight All-Ireland medals to her name so there was ice baths required yesterday after the sprinting up and down Washington Street that was done but from the point of view I suppose of those great Cork teams and and how they managed you know even that Dublin game in 2014 you'll remember they were out the gap Dublin and uh, mm. Cork through Rena Buckley Breach Corkery um, Valerie Mulcahy Breach Stack Angela Walsh I think they turned a 14-point deficit, uh, you know, into a one-point win. So certainly um, in terms of, this was game management. I I liked today the referee, um, sorry, the commentary team were discussing the containment fouls and Shawnee Shea had one late on um, that was re- referred to as a containment foul. I suppose it, it was just kind of slowing down that Dublin attack where they were kind of running from the 45 and, the carry forwards were willing to take yellow cards and, and Shawnee picked up one late on just to make sure that there wouldn't be that overlap that Mickey was talking about earlier with the with the Derry scenario. Do you, do you admire that in the team, even I'm talking about Evan Comerford, who clearly was not injured before that penalty. There is no way in hell. Comerford is sprinting out with the ball. He doesn't realise that the referee's blown the whistle for the penalty. And next thing he's lying down on the deck, eats up three minutes, obviously gets into Sean O'Shea's head, uh, John Small's black card is, is is then over by the time the penalty is missed. Like when you're looking at a team like that, would you li- if you were coaching a team, would you like them to be like that? They have to be like that. That's that's how the big teams win big games. And uh, you can say that it's not in the game or that it shouldn't be in the game, but it's absolutely in the game. And I know Paddy Andrews and, and James O'Donoghue would tell you that there's all manner of, of stories across the years of lads getting away with things and you know you'll remember even the club championships in Dublin I think Bally Bowden um, pulled a fast one against Nafina a couple of years ago in the club championship semi-final and, and went on to win the All-Ireland after it this, this is just part of the game and I suppose what I what I saw today with Johnny Cooper 
you know, he was he was having to actually hop on Potty uh, Potty Clifford's back to stop him from from turning him. And yeah. sometimes the legs just don't uh, carry it. And we and we saw him taken off today because he just ran out of steam, and Mick Fitzsimons ran out of steam. So cynicism combined with, I suppose, um, heavy legs um, was was probably not in uh, Dublin's favour today. Yeah, yeah. Mickey, um, the Thatcher Cup final yesterday, the, looking at your neighbours, Westmead, celebrating on the pitch at the Silverware afterwards, even the scenes later on that night down back in Mullingar, it was class to see, wasn't it? It's brilliant. Um, you know, it's it's tough to see um, from from a player's point of view, but it's great to see. Uh, question better, yeah, yeah. No, no, but it's it's the truth. Like you're kind of you're kind of caught caught in the middle here, and you're jealous. And there's no point in saying any other way. Where else would you want to be? Only playing yesterday, and you know, full credit to Westmead and Cavan. Um, they they put on a show and they really went for it. Like both teams, you get a got an opportunity in the height of summer to play in Croke Park in a final and lift the cup. And you try and tell one of those teams that it didn't mean uh, the world to their season, whether they won or lost. Like, and it just sets it sets Westmead up now that they're going to play in Sam Maguire next year. Mm. It tightens things that they can develop now and put things in place that right. We're going to be in the Leinster Championship. We're going to be in the qualifiers. We could be pushing on, looking at the likes of Clare and saying, okay, we're we're pushing there. We're in Division 3, but that's something that, that's going to be their goal. Cav on the other side, they really need to get out of Division 3 or get promoted to get back up there to maybe get a rattle at Westmead again. Um, so it's it's set up for Division 3, going to be a really tight one next year with Cavan, Westmead there, and then the two teams coming down from Division 2 again off the top of my head. You would help me out here. Who's, who got relegated? Down, down and Oakley, wasn't it? Down, down and Oakley. Yeah. And, and then ourselves for Mana and who got promoted to Division uh, Tipper, 4. Tipperary. Tipperary. Tipper. So and then there's one or two, one other, but like it's it's going to be a tight division, and it just means that teams can get their house in order early days now, and uh, it's set up nicely for probably going back to pre-season whenever that starts. But you know, I, I just think we we probably look at a season in probably a small term, like a short term goal that you're kind of looking at these teams building, you're looking at your Cavins, you're looking at Westmead, that you need to be talking three to five years if you're going to build something and try and get that commitment and that buy-in for that length of time rather than going at it for a year and a year out. And that's what we've found in the past, that having to create that long-term goal and, and buy-in for that length of time to, to try and maybe get the success that Westmead have gotten uh, yesterday. Yeah, Mickey, I'm going to let you go in a minute because I know you have to go. But in terms of what we saw from Westmead yesterday, it, the big thing was it wasn't just the John Heston show. Heston has obviously been an exceptional footballer for them over the last number of years. But like you saw, Ronan O'Toole standing up, Sam McCartan kicked three top class points, one off the deck, one off the left, one off the right. The goal that Lorcan Dolan scored, like when Clifford played that ball to Stephen O'Brien today, I was thinking O'Brien's going to pull what Lorcan Dolan did. Like it was the, the skill to do that was sensational. That's the thing with this Talshan Cup and with the probably coverage that it has gotten, that Westmead, they haven't been the John Heslin show for the last two, three years. Like, he has been chipping in with big scores, of course he has, but 
a lot of them have been coming from frees. He has kind of probably, if you're looking at a game and seeing who's done the score, and John Hessen has shipped in, but you look at what Rona Tool done yesterday. You look at the unsung heroes of... Like Jack Smith, to me, have played with him in DCU and what he what he gives Westmead and his probably development the last three, four years with Westmead from going from not starting to to nailing down a spot where he's their main defender in the full back line that drives out, takes ball off keep the keeper and his willingness to, to beat forwards and run them hard the other way. That's something that Westmead and I think maybe Cavan took for granted and I think we have in the past that how hard their backs run up the field that they're not just defenders anymore. People talk about your half back line being your platform for attack. Westmead have changed that slightly in the sense that their full back line are the ones that are going up and maybe setting up the last ball for a score or even getting a score. Um, I think Kevin McGuire was there thereabouts for a goal chance. Ronald Toole got a goal the last day. He had a goal chance uh, set up Wallace. for a Wallace. Or sorry, Wallace um, mm. set up a goal chance for someone yesterday again. Um, do you know, like what they offer out of their back line and their middle third for those forwards to, to I suppose they're the ones that uh, get the headlines and, and make hay and uh, you know you need them too to put the ball over the bar in the back of the net but um, I, I think there's an awful lot of players there that have probably gone unnoticed and um, th- their development th- on, over the last two or three years has been super Mickey thanks a million for joining us today we'll let you go super thanks again speak to you again soon uh, Barry just going back to, to Kerry Dublin today with your Galway hat on, what weaknesses did Kerry show you that you think that Galway can take advantage of? Oh, uh, I think uh, it's, hard, it's hard to classify any of them as weaknesses. I think they're probably just where Galway will look at opportunities that they can have success. Um, and, I, and I do think that Galway will look, and this isn't a weakness, this is just how Kerry defend, but they are defending very much, as I said earlier on, you know, everyone has a responsibility, they're getting their matchups right and everybody has a, resp- a responsibility to pick up a player. They're allowing Tyg Morley to sit, but not in a total sweeper role. Um, so I think... Porrick will see that as an opportunity that if he can <clears throat> if he can bring those players into positions that allow space inside for Damien Comer or Rob Finnerty, it might allow them drift into pockets of space that they weren't able to find, particularly Rob Finnerty, who we saw how good he was doing that against Armagh. Then I think you know he will see that as an opportunity to get scores on the board and have a, have success, have some success up top. Um, there's a lot, there's an awful lot to worry about also for Galway. For Galway, I thought Thomas Sullivan again was excellent today. Um, but, but, you know, it, it, has he been fully tested in his defensive duties this year? You know, maybe that's something they look at and say, right, you know, he can gallop up the pitch, he can get his scores, but let's see what he's like if we can get him into a position where he really, really has to defend. So, Tactically, this is going to be very, very intriguing. Um, around the middle of the pitch, David Moore and Paul Conroy, you know, who's going to have the biggest influence on the game will have a huge bearing out the, on, on the outcome. Um, and can Galway maybe expose David Moore's, uh, I, I say lack of pace, like it's criticism, but it's just he's 
probably 32, 33 years old, you know, he's a lot of miles on the clock. So, right. you know, possibly that might be somewhere we could we could look to exploit. Okay, Sarah, what way do you think that All-Ireland final is shaping up now, Kerry and Galway? I think Kerry will have gotten huge confidence from that win. And if I'm being honest, I don't think Galway um, will get near him. I, I, I can see Kerry winning this by six points. Really? Yeah, I, I, I genuinely think so. And look, uh, Gini was off colour today. Um, Kerry made uncharacteristic mistakes coming down the track. And I think that's because Dublin had obviously gotten so close with the goal. Um, I, I think they'd be much sharper. That last 20 minutes today, and I know um, the commentary team were talking about it afterwards, you know, that, that was nervousness on Kerry's part. And I don't think they'll have that same nervousness against Galway. Can I can I just interrupt? You, just and this isn't. Uh, oh, I disagree with you about the six points. I think Galway are. They will be under pressure in this game. But are they uncharacteristic mistakes? Like I think I saw the same mistakes against Limerick. I think I saw the same mistakes against Cork, and I certainly saw the same mistakes um, in their quarter final. They have a tendency to to switch off a little bit. Okay, that's a, that's actually a fair point because obviously they left Cork in that game for fifty fifty five minutes in Park Erin. Um, and and then they turned it on, turned the screw. But but I wonder was this Dublin team kind of it, in the foreground, and, and and they need to get over this Dublin team to just let the shackles off now, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. And I think that's what they were gearing towards. And now that that's over, I have a bit of sympathy for Galway now, wondering you know how much power this Kerry team is going to bring to this this day in two weeks' time. That's interesting. That's very interesting. I like I. I felt coming into the weekend that the amount of threats that Galway had going forward might be just too difficult for Derry to tie down every single one of them. I also felt I felt confident that Kerry would win, but there's this nagging feeling about this Kerry side, and it might be unfair, but losing our next time to Tyrone last year, losing the game in Cork and to Cork in 2020, if they hadn't have got over the line today, if Dublin had caught them, they very nearly caught them, it would have been. It would have been such a blow. It would, it would have haunted Kerry. It would have haunted them for years. So I just think, as Sarah said, getting over the line today, Sean O'Shea nailing that incredible free. Maybe the, maybe it is the monkey off the back, Barry, and maybe it is something you should be worried about coming into two weeks' time. Oh, uh, oh come here. We, we've, we know we've a lot to be worried about coming into the All-Ireland final. I just, uh, you know, in terms of Kerry, this is this this was a game that they needed, and they would be absolutely delighted to get over that game. But you know, we're maybe clutching at straws. But I would just wonder, you know, on top of all the players that Dublin have lost over the couple of years, at, at the stage where they were really pressing, uh, they did. You know, Johnny Cooper was gone, Mick Fitzsimons was gone. You know, it wasn't a, a Dublin team of the past and that's no fault of anyone it's just they've lost a huge amount of talent and I'm just wondering you know yeah they got over a tight game but maybe Dublin weren't as good as as hopefully what Galway will be and that's maybe where Galway can exploit the weaknesses that, that Kerry get that Kerry showed us today it definitely I'm Go on, Sarah. Go, go, yeah, go for it, Tommy. I like. I, I don't mean to be overly negative. I, I was down in, uh, in Kerry for the last league game against Tyrone, and and Barry, you're right. Like, you know, Kerry made mistakes that day too, and they allowed Tyrone back into that game, 
even though it was a dead rubber for Kerry, it's just they don't have that killer instinct that Dublin had shown to be, you know, seven-time champions or, you know, over the last eight years or whatever. So I, I, agree, with, I agree with you. They don't necessarily, they don't have the same polish as Dublin had as champions. So they can be caught. Okay. I just don't know if Galway can catch them. They just they haven't done it yet. I think it's it's there for Galway. I just think when a team hasn't done it yet, it's hanging over them. The pressure's going to be on Kerry. Um, I think one of our callers earlier on said it was a shot to nothing. You're in an all <laughs> final. Like what an opportunity! Yeah, poor Joyce. I, I can absolutely guarantee you does not see this as a shot to nothing. And I can, if there was any more of a guarantee, I could give you. He is convinced. And, and rightly so, that Galway will win this game. Like there's, there will be absolutely no doubt in his head that they're going to be All-Ireland champions on the 24th of July. And it'll be about finding a way of doing that. And he will have his players convinced that they're going to be Kerry. Now, whether they will or they won't, who knows? That's the, the beauty of sport. But I can guarantee you that this Galway team will take no notice of Bucky's odds, of... Um, whatever any pundit are saying and it's in the papers they will be supremely confident and what they have is you know have they they have some top footballers we know that overall you know if you were to mark them out of 10 against Kerry footballers I don't know who'd come out on top but they've put a system in place and systems are grand and they work at times but if all 15 players and everybody that comes in don't 100% buy into that system, then it doesn't work. And yesterday, when Galway needed them, and against Armagh when it, when it needed, Galway players 100% bought into that system because they have 100% brought into Parry Joyce. And um, as I said, when he walks into that dressing room, it's difficult for non-Galway people to actually get a feel for the aura that Porrick Joyce has in Galway. Like he's, he, he's a Henry Shefton like figure in Kilkenny. We just, he, when he, when he speaks, people follow him and everything he's doing, like the way he did, like the way he played, he's doing with class and they're, you know, he has, he's like the Pied Piper. These guys are following him. And as I said, when he tells them that they're going to win, they will certainly 100% believe that they are. Barry, can I ask you about the turnover in the squad since the 2018 semi-final? Because it is stark that only 21 of the 26 youth that day against Dublin are gone. There's only five players mm-hmm. involved. I think it was Sean Kelly, Damien Comer, Shane Walsh. Uh, Kieran Malloy. Kieran Malloy. And then there was Liam Silk. Was Silk? Could have been Silk. Yeah, there's a fifth one there that I can't remember off the top of my head. But that, I know there were some natural retirements. There was a couple of injuries. I guess as Porrick Joyce just gotten the squad that he wants has he has he gotten rid of players has there been tough conversations or the players just realised that they weren't they weren't they weren't ready to commit to him like oh, how has that gone down in the county the, the huge turnover that's happened in the last couple of years yeah right now it's fine because we're in an All-Ireland final everyone everyone has um, I suppose to a certain extent uh, for, forgotten the players that we, we have lost but we have lost quite a number of them and a lot of them were down to natural retirements some injuries but Parik you remember he did have the, the under 20s before he took the senior job yeah. and so he would have used an awful lot of those players so the likes of thinking of yesterday's team Jack Lynn would have been on his under 20 team um, Sean Mulkerns before he got injured he would have been on his under 20 team um, Rob Finnerty the like you know all of those players he would have worked with previously so he would have always obviously had a, a a trust and a loyalty in those players and would have wanted to work with them again. Um, 
but he, he's been around Galway for a long time so he would have looked at them at club level guys that weren't performing that were performing for their clubs um, and, and I think there's even what I said about him being confident there's no better man to make a decision either and I think he made a decision that quite a number of the players um, that maybe he didn't feel you know, ability-wise, no question about it, but maybe he felt that they weren't buying into exactly what he needed. And, and it has taken him three years. And, and there's one player that I think it's it's not a coincidence that Parry Joyce's fortunes as a goal football fortune has turned slightly since he has become fit and, and got over all his injury concerns. And that's John Daly. And, you know, Parry you know, put John in at six for his first couple of league games. Galway played really, really well. Then unfortunately, John got injured and COVID and things went to be pear-shaped, you know, for a couple of months after that. But I think John Daly, he has a couple of real leaders that he has put his real faith in. Damien Comer being one, Paul Conroy being two, Sean Kelly, he has made captain three. But I think the one that he has really nailed down on is John Daly. And I thought he was excellent yesterday. Um, and he is a, a Parry Joyce player because, you know, Parry could have played him in his first senior game. And that's, and, and, and I think that's why he has worked the panel that he is working with now. So do you think that John Daly will pick up Sean Shea? Um, so what happened... Um, against Armagh, uh, I can't remember who the Armagh centre forward was. Stephen Roy Grugan, or would have been Stephen Campbell, maybe. No, Stephen Campbell. So Stephen Campbell went to eleven. So Galway have two. They kind of have two different um, defensive systems. So the one we saw yesterday, where Dylan McHugh and Kieran Malloy sit back in, our two wing forwards kind of drop back in to give us nearly, you know, a four man half back line with the two lads sitting behind. That's what they did against Mayo and Roscommon. What we did against Armagh was Killian McDade for the nearly the first half, first 35 minutes, um, Killian McDade actually picked up uh, Stephen Campbell and John Daly set on the edge of the D. So it, it, it is interesting. We could see it. We could see a situation where Killian McDade abandons maybe one of the midfielders or, you know, Johnny Heaney comes towards midfield or however they work it and picks up Shawnee O'Shea. I think they'll switch in between. So if we're under pressure in our full back line, I think John Daly will go and sit in front of our full back line and Killian McDade will pick up Shawnee O'Shea. Now, it's not Killian's most natural natural game in that marking situation. He is more of a you know marauding, getting forward, athletic midfielder. But I think he will pick up Shawnee O'Shea at times. And I think if we're having a bit of success, and we want to push and go after the game like we did against Armagh, then you'll see John Daly push on to Sean O'Shea and try and influence the game in on his terms. Because, you know, John Daly's an excellent footballer on top of everything else. Um, yesterday we saw in what was a, a dour enough first half, he kicked a brilliant score and he kicked a brilliant pass into Damien Comer for Goa's last score. Yeah. So, you know, he has he has a huge array of of, of skills in his armory. So he will, if he goes on Shawnee O'Shea, it'll be to influence the game while also trying to negate the influence of Shawnee O'Shea. He certainly won't be saying, I, I'll take one for the team here and not try and get into the game at all. It'll be, so it'll be, it'll be interesting. You know, I would imagine Sean Kelly will pick up David Clifford, um, has done well on David Clifford in previous, in previous games. But again, We'll need plenty of help, and and Crow Park is a Crow Park. Just it, it, it's a different game of football in Crow Park, so it'll be it'll be interesting, but it'll, it'll need everyone buying into whatever they come up with. 
Yeah, because I, I was looking at, like, obviously Gavin White today and I thought he was excellent coming forward. So, you know, if you're looking at Johnny Healy pushing back, are you drawing Kerry on you too early? Um, Gavin, there's no doubt Gavin White's an exceptional footballer. But I say what they look at is previous games where teams have got plenty of bodies back. Gavin White at times has a tendency to run down... Uh, dark channels and 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 get turned over. So I I would see I, I would possibly see and look who might uh, to to try and plan a, a goal a game plan against Kerry. But I would maybe see that they would think if Gavin White is coming forward quite a bit, then we put him into as Kevin Walsh talks about the channels one and five. And if he does turn back into the the other channels, then we work on him for turnovers. But I, I'd say they'll really worry about Gavin White if the game is open and the game is expansive. He can cause a huge damage. But if Galway can get a defensive structure in place, then you know they will look at trying to target Gavin White for turnovers and building from that. And it depends on Kerry's plan. So if Kerry start kicking ball long and directing to David Clifford, it doesn't give Galway a chance to to set up that kind of double sweeper of Kieran Malloy and Dylan McHugh, then they'll probably have to get John Daly sitting in front of in front of our full back line. So it's as I said, we, we've two weeks where we can it, we'll all we'll all have a, an opinion on how it should be played, but like it's going to be hugely interesting. But I think I think this could be a, a really really high quality All Ireland final. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a cracker, and there's going to be loads of build up and preview in the OTB GA podcast feed and on off the ball over the next couple of the next two weeks. Um, you'll have Jaron Owen on OTB AM tomorrow morning from seven thirty. Joe will be back in the evening with the the radio show. You've got the hurling pod tomorrow with Paul Murphy, who picked up a an All Ireland Junior Football Medal today for Kenny and James Gehill. And then we'll have the football pod as well with Paddy and James back on himself. Sarah, I believe you're going to be in the Guinness Storehouse for us next Sunday for our, our All-Ireland Final brunch ahead of the All-Ireland Hurling Final. So that's going to be very interesting. So we'll hear from you again then. It's also All-Ireland Quarterfinal weekend in the Camogie Championships. So it's all happening. So um, I think that's where we're going to leave this week for GA Late Night, folks. So thanks very much for tuning in and for joining me. Barry, Sarah, thank you. Not at all. Thanks, million, Tommy. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, enjoy guys. The, enjoy the build-up, Barry. And Sarah, we'll chat with you next time. Very good. See you then.